we're live. We're live, and we are going to just do it and not not worry about not life. I think about it. So I'm just. Uh, it's Wednesday. If you didn't know, um, I don't know what day it is. I was not paying attention. It is February twelfth. The twelfth. Yes, it is February twelfth. Mm, that was a guess. <laughs> um, so I'm just gonna start. Uh, I'm I'm Heather. So I have uh, Midnight Sky number four. Um, The family runs into the cousin that the mom knew at the beginning of the whole end of the world type thing. Um, The cousin discovers that the aliens are taking over human bodies and using their bodies to collect children to turn them into weapons. Okay, but is that what happened to the kids in this story? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh. So, okay, what happened to the kids in the story was uh, the woman was married to a man who was actually an alien. Okay, yes, okay. Yes, so, so they give birth to children that have qualities that could be considered superpowers. So the aliens want to weaponize the children Okay, in that okay, way. okay. Yes, because they can all do really crazy things. All right. Next I have... Um, Blackwood, Morning After. This is issue number one. This is a, a sequel to the Blackwood series that came out last year? I think it was last was year. Was that last year? I mean, it was around, we talked about it while we were recording still, so it has to be within mm-hmm. the last year. Uh, basically, a group of kids go to this school for the occult, and bad things happen. Um, in the sequel, they are dealing with the aftermath. One of their friends died during the first series and the dean of the school died. So they're going to funerals, getting drunk and discovering that their friend might not actually be dead. Oh. So it's the same writer, same artist and stuff as the first series. And it it literally just picks up like where the first one had left off. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's nice. Um, I, I liked it a lot. Do you think you could pick up like this without reading the other series? I think so because they do a pretty good job about explaining like everything that had happened All right. in the first one, like kind of with flashbacks and stuff. Other times with just speaking about it. So, All right. um, it certainly wouldn't hurt to pick up the first yeah, series. Well, but, yeah, yeah, I, sure, like, I don't think that you would need it. And an overall, right? If you want a, the whole story, so to speak, mm-hmm. so you can know the event that took place <laughs> in the first part. Um, so next we have, well, yeah, we both have. Yes. You read. I read it. I did not pick it up like a, a fool. I have. <laughs> Alienated number one. It's so good. It is. It's really good. It's about a, a group of three kids named Sam find something in the woods and become connected. Yeah. I, I wasn't, I don't know, the solicit just didn't grab me too much. So I didn't pick it up, but I did. I was curious enough to read it, and I'm so bummed out I did not add it because I had so much fun reading this story. Like I, the one of the cool aspects for me personally was the way they had the how the whole book was set up. Like the first part being all three of their mornings, like separate what separate ways where you kind of learn a little bit about them, and then I really loved because they go into the woods and touch a thing in the tree. And they all become psychically connected. And I love how, like, after that part, they're all in different periods of school and just, like, having to hear each other's thoughts. And, yes. It's it's incredible. It's so good. It's so good. The art is so fucking good. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I, I would definitely recommend picking this up because... Yeah, I did have a very good time reading it. Yeah, I laughed several times. And then I, I just, I'm very, like, 
oddly invested already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they do a really good job of building these kids. Yeah. So quickly that, yeah, I I don't know. I love Samir. He's my absolute favorite. Um, But yeah, Alienated. It's a boom book. It's a boom book. There's a lot of boom books this week that, Mm -hmm. of course, were great. Yeah, I'm gonna. I have to add that one to my profile so I don't miss it out. Miss it out. Miss it. Miss out. out. All right. So then I guess I Heather has a lot more books than me this week, <laughs> but I get to go a couple times by myself. <laughs> That's what she said. Okay. Okay. This is uh, Batman Pennyworth, R.I.P. So Alfred's dead. And this issue just covers the Bat family, or part of the Bat family, uh, mourning him. And I, I have mixed feelings on this issue. I think the pacing, I didn't really like the pacing of it just because it was just like a, this is how we're gonna do this. So each person in the Bat family basically tells a little, like, cheers to Alfred, a short little story of, like, how he affected their life in what way. And then they kind of tell Bruce off. And then they leave the bar. Because they all gather, convene at a bar, and this is where they do it. So, yeah, they have this thing, and then they tell off Bruce, leave. Just every single one of them. Except for with Barbara, she tells off Bruce, then tells her story, then leaves. Do you think if it had been written by Tom King, who had killed off Pennyworth and had his own feelings and stuff during that, you know, issue. Do you think it would have been different had he written it rather than the new writer? No, like, I I did enjoy the book itself, but at the same time, like, the Batman Annual 4, I think, the one that has, like, Alfred's journal in it, for me, that was more so of a, like, ending to Alfred or just, like here's the story of this man and how he watched Batman and, like, this relationship, that was more of the the ending to me than, like, this. I Do you feel like this just kind of wasn't necessary because of that annual? I, no. No and yes, I suppose. It's, it's hard to describe. It's, like, I didn't hate it. I didn't super love it. I did enjoy the different artists on it. I did enjoy the idea of what they were going for. It was just like, like I said, it was just like issue of pacing for me. It just, I didn't like, it almost felt sitcom-y if that makes sense mm-hmm. with just like, okay, I get, I get the trope you're going for. And they even like mentioned that in the book itself. So it's just like a little heavy handed, I guess. Okay. Not unenjoyable. I just think, you know, that Batman annual is, does, does a better job. Nice. Not to like knock knock this at all. It just wasn't for you. I wouldn't say it's not it wasn't for me. I just didn't enjoy it to my fullest extent. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> I just I thought it was weird that they did that after I know you, there was that, you know, the annual. Yeah. Like, I remember you mentioning that to me and it seemed strange that they would have like almost two send-offs. Yeah. But yeah. written by two different, different people. Well, and technically What's this man's name? Sorry, everybody. Forgive me. My memory. Yeah, Peter Tomasi also writes some of it. Okay. So, it's a couple different writers, but yes. Regardless. 
didn't feel like I needed it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you want me to go? Yeah. Okay. I have um, Hawkeye, Freefall, machine number three. I'm just going to be a wine mom right now. I, You know, that's totally fine. Tell me about Hawkeye. I feel right at home. So, in this issue, I love the series. Is um, he hot? No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so in the previous issue, Hawkeye had tried to infiltrate the Hood's lair. Um, he, the Hood has a teenage kid working for him as like some sort of hacker. Uh, Clint is like, want to come work for me instead? I can pay you more. So the kid ends up going with him. Uh, and we find out that, you know, Hawkeye is actually being Ronin. <laughs> it's actually him. He's just lying to everyone. <laughs> um, but the kid was able to figure out that it was him because he loves Hawkeye and has, like, studied videos of him and stuff. And, like, they're same size. Starts pointing out technicalities I never would have noticed. But, um, yeah, so the kid is working for him. And... Clint explains that he has this device that S.H.I.E.L.D. had made that can kind of push him forward an hour, which is how he is able to be Clint and Ronan at the same time. It's like, it's a whole thing. Um, I'm not a scientist, so I didn't understand a word that he said, even though he didn't even understand it. He just has like a basic idea of what it does. Um, But I really enjoyed this issue. Um... Which I've been enjoying everyone, to be honest. But there's a really cute part with Black Widow where she's like, I don't know why you thought that you could be Ronin and I wouldn't know. Because <laughs> she's like, I fought with you. I know how you fight. It's pretty funny. Um, and then it ends with Daredevil. Which uh, I'm very excited to see. Um, but I just, I love Hawkeye's internal monologue the entire time because he always points out when he's lying about shit. He's like, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> yes. It's really good. It's really fun. I think everyone should read it. Um, and then I have <clears throat> Nebula number one. I just kind of wanted to give this a try because I've never read anything about this stupid family. <laughs> um, but basically, it's Nebula trying to get this uh, thing called the all-seeing eye installed into her data. It doesn't, you can't like see the future or anything like that, but you can see like certain situations and how successful they will be. Okay. That's like the easiest way to explain it. So she gets this put into her brain and shit just starts going crazy. Uh, It is interesting enough that I kind of want to see what happens in the next issue because the way this one ends is vastly different from how it begins. Okay. And yes, I it's I think it's an interesting thing for Nebula to go through because she's she's an asshole. She's like threatening to kill this kid and <laughs> then the scientist is like, fine, I'll put it in your head, but don't hurt my child. <laughs> Please. Yeah. It's a it's it's very interesting. it wasn't bad. There was a lot of words and I wasn't expecting it right when I because I read that one first when I woke up this morning. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to read a comic before I go to Champs. And there were a lot of words. Uh, so it took me... It sounds like we're little children. <laughs> I was expecting more pictures. Um, <laughs> but it, it took me a minute to read it. But And I think it was mainly because there is a lot of just dialogue between a scientist and Nebula. So it... A little dense. Yeah. It would have been confusing had I been awake or not. Uh, All so right. Next. Are we ready? So next we both have safe sex. This 
book continues to be insanely enjoyable. They have infiltrated the... Now I can't remember. <laughs> the party. The party. And are trying to rescue their friends. Nothing is going as planned. There are many twists and turns. I don't know. There's a lot of violence in this one, too. Yeah, there is a lot of violence. There's in comparison of, to, like, all of the other, the other issues. Yeah, there's, like, serious gunshot wounds. And just blood, so. <clears throat> be prepared. But they do end up using, the party has taken over what used to be the Dirty Mine, so their giant sex palace. <laughs> and they're inside of the storage room, so they're using old sex toys for weapons, which I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly, one of my favorite things is just the respect between the characters of the Dirty Mind and how they... Just they just really respect each other. Yeah, and I just yeah. I I don't know. The relationships are all like really interconnected, and I once again highly suggest picking up this book because it's totally worth it. Oh yeah, they always include really cool notes or like stories or whatever at the end. Um, this is an interview. I can't remember. Nico Flux, Empress Wu, and Yen Q. Um. They just talk about the the different struggles for Asians in, like, the working environment and just any kind of environment. It's a really interesting interview. I didn't um, get a chance to read it. It's, I, I think you would really, they're both, they're all dominatrixes. Oh, and okay. they talk about, like, yeah, the the work environment, their work environment, and then being an immigrant and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's, it's really good. Yeah, I think you'd really enjoy it. But that's one thing that I really, really do love about this book is very fascinating interviews with people. Yeah. Yeah, that is, like, the one unfortunate thing, like, when I'm, I wouldn't say speed reading comics, but when I'm reading comics just to kind of get to, like, talk about them here, like, sometimes I do miss out on, like, those sorts of things, like, those interviews and stuff. I usually read author's notes just because. Mm -hmm. I always, well, with Safe Sex anyway, with, like, the last few issues, I just go straight to the interview first, and then I'll read my other comics and then go back and read the comics. Yeah, that way I just don't feel like. I have to work through this to get to that. Mm-hmm. And, like, I always just read it first, and then I read the comic as a separate thing later on. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I should start doing that. It's very enjoyable that way. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Well, then, now you have Thor. Ah, okay. I'm, like, losing my voice because I've been talking so much. I'm not used to this anymore. No. Okay. So, I have Thor issue number three. Um, This is Thor fighting against... Help me, Bill, 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 Beta Beta Ray, Ray Bill. Bill. Yes, I was like, Rada Bay? (laughs) Beta Ray Bill. Um, Rada Bay. Yeah, that's why I I needed you to help me, because I was like, it's not right the way I'm going to say it. Um, Basically, Beta Ray Bill is trying to remind Thor that he is not, you know, a cruel person, and Thor's like, get out of my way, and it's it's like, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's a fight between them. And it is kind of like a good and evil type thing, even though Thor is very stubborn. Okay. That's it. All right. With that, because I don't want to... I don't Heather's give trying not away. to ruin it for yeah. me. <laughs> I, I, like I told Champ a little bit ago, I actually really, really enjoyed this issue. Um, more so than I enjoyed the first two. Which, so you're going to stick stick with it for... I think, yeah. Okay. I think I will. I'm going to try this first story arc and see what happens and how that ends. And mm-hmm. then... How it kind of springboards yeah. from there. Yeah. 
Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I'm. I was very pleased. That was the last one that I read this morning, and I just kind of set it down and was like, okay. I'll keep going. I'll keep going. Fine. I know you're on the fence, so yeah, it's important to have those issues that like definitely bring you back in. And I think a majority of this is, you know, it's a fight between them, but the conversation that they have and the way that they talk to each other is, I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like Thor was kind of out of character the last two issues, but this one I feel really brings him back to even like early Thor when he's still struggling to define, like, who he, he is, is. Okay. outside of, like, his lineage and stuff. It's interesting. All right. All right. Are you ready? Yes. So now we have the Hellmouth. This is the last issue of this tiny little Hellmouth series. So Xander is dead. That's, that's, I was mad. <laughs> that's why I was mad. I, uh, so in, sorry, I, that was in the last issue, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, it's not a spoiler for it's this one It's not a spoiler for this one at all. And I was reading that issue while I was talking to somebody else, so I did not realize what was really going on. And as, even though I was reading a book <laughs> with pictures, mm-hmm. I, it didn't, like, fully set in, like, what was actually, like, transpiring. So this issue really really set that into motion and really bummed me out. Mm-hmm. But good news is they prevented all of hell from getting loose. Things conclude. Things do conclude. It is, I really liked this event, actually. Yeah, I did too. I'm glad they kept it five issues and while it like weaved with the Buffy and the Angel, it wasn't necessary to get both of them. Yeah, not at all. That made me... Very happy. And I did like how, like, this focused on, like, the main, main not necessarily, like, the main group, but, like, the two of them and how the Buffy group, or the Buffy book focused on, like, Buffy's friends and mm-hmm. how they were, like, relating without her there. So, yeah. No, I think it was a really well done book. Bart was really great. Story was really, really good. And then they have somewhere to definitely jump off from here with multi- multiple dimension type things. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it was a very, very good short little series. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next. Next we have Ronan Island, number 10. This is really winding down here. Was there 12 issues? Yep. So we got two more left and I, I'm, I don't want it to end. I know. But it almost, <laughs> so I don't know if you feel this way, but it feels like each issue is kind of just stretched like too far almost not like in a bad way at all but it just seems like from the beginning to the end of like each issue like they could do more but they're just not doing a lot yeah i can see that yeah but it's like you're saying it's almost hollow but it keeps the story going in a way that i'm always mad by the end because i'm like why couldn't you just like tell me what's happening yeah well, and I think with this issue in particular and something that I really liked is just the idea that Hannah, you know, even though she's telling them to stand up for themselves and do the right thing so that they survive, she also is, like, a pacifist at heart and also wants to help those people that they hurt. And I think the other people within that group are very much struggling with that idea. And I could really relate to her in that, like, in these issues, because I really felt that, like, they should do what she she said they should do, even if 
it did backfire. Right. Because at least you tried. At least you tried, and at least you showed that, like, you are truly the better person. And I mean, you know, nothing is black and white, truly. Right. Yeah, I do... I don't know. I just, I don't, I really don't want this to end. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking, the island's just, like, now finally coming to help them, and then stuff happens. Yeah. It is such a great book, and you do see the two main characters just grow so much within the series. It's kind of insane. Mm -hmm. Because they're almost, it almost goes from them being children to them just being adults. Even though they're still children. Children, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it is a very strange thing. I think the, like, flashbacks to their childhood really help with that, too. Because you're not just getting them at, like, one certain age. You Mm -hmm. get them at, like, the peak moments in their life when they yeah. have to deal with something big. So, so you've been there for it Yeah, all. and they're a little more filled out. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right, you ready? Yeah. Okay. So I have uh, Star Wars The Rise of Kylo Ren, issue number three. Uh, this is only a four-part series. Oh, Kylo. I like that name. It's my next baby's name. Okay, um, <laughs> so this, this issue is um, Kylo meeting up with the Knights of Ren and telling them the story of how he killed a Jedi. Uh, they're trying to determine whether or not he's, you know, bad enough to, like, be a part of the the Knights. If he can be in the gang. Yeah, that's essentially what it is. So he's, you know, telling the story about how he fought with his friends who he grew up with in the Skywalker's temple, pretty much, um, and how he was forced to kill one of them. Oh, my. <sighs> and that's pretty much the sarcastic reaction that the the Knight of Ren did. He was like, oh, that was it? You didn't even want to kill him. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty good, though. And they, like, make him have a wardrobe change to make him look more, you know, badass, and it's like that uh, grease, how in the end... Sandy is like, I'm going to change everything about myself so that you'll like me, stud. That's literally what it is. Oh, man. I wish he had, like, a harness. Like, an actual, like, just, like, chest harness. Yeah. Oh. Like one I'm wearing. It's like suspenders. Oh, it's like you're, it's like, are you wearing a chest harness or are you just wearing your suspenders? Well, it's like a belt harness thing. Yeah, exactly like that, but more like... Like, with the boobs. With the boobs. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, that was uh, Kylo's little journey to adulthood, (laughs) I guess. That was a... Yep. Sorry. We're getting off topic again. Yeah. It's because Wine Mom. Yeah, we got Wine Mom in the corner. I love Wine Mom. (laughs) I think Wine Mom is my favorite personality that I've ever done. Why do both you and Chris hate Wine Mom? Because I have a Wine Mom. (laughs) And it's stressful. Well, I'm your good wine mom. That's true. This is the Batman's grave. This is issue number five of 12 issues. For some reason, I feel like this series is going really fast. I didn't know it was supposed to be 12 issues. Yeah. That's crazy. But. It is going really fast. It is going really fast. More punching. Classic. uh, The best thing about this book is like, 
at least one half of this book is Batman, like, beating the shit out of somebody and smashing their face into a wall. <laughs> I... It's just, like, breaking through walls, smashing people through tables. No Alfred being a dick in this issue, but basically the mystery of this book continues. Mm, okay. Uh, they kind of lure, or whoever lures Jim Gordon into Arkham and tries to assassinate him. So they have to kind of fight their way out. It's going to be like the raid, but with Batman. I'm glad you made a reference to another form of entertainment because I was going to for the next book. (laughs) (laughs) So that's all I have to say. But I don't know if the next issue is going to be like the raid, but with Batman. I can't, I can't say that. She can't read the future. I can't read the future. Warren Ellis and I are not friends, unfortunately. But Warren Ellis. I feel like you would be good friends. I think we'd be the best of friends. I think we listen to the same type of music. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we're both old men. That's true. So, Warren Ellis, if you ever listen to me or see me, you know, since we live in totally different places on the world, you know, call me up. Send me a text. Let's tweet at each other. Let's hang. (laughs) Okay. All right. Next we have Excalibur. What I was going to say was Excalibur's The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. Because they go hunting in this issue. They do go hunting. And that's it. Yeah, without spoiling it, they go hunting. Yeah. There's no... Yeah. That's... Yeah. That's it. They are go- They go hunting for war wolves, if you need to know. Mm-hmm. And Gambit's mad because it's for Apocalypse, which I used to kind of like Gambit. I hate Gambit now because he hates my favorite character. Uh, I... I, bl- I... I... That's cool. He looks really good in this issue, though. I would love for the same thing to happen that happened in, like, what, issue four, where he smashed his face into into the the ground. ground. Yes. I would love to see that. Love to see that again. Mm. So. I still love Gambit, and I would love to see that again, because I feel like that just really humbled him. It didn't. He's being a douche. Well, you know. That's just how he always is. And I also, I suppose I understand, but at the same time... Apocalypse is also like, hey, here, here are all my notes. You can see if I'm doing something you think shady. Gambit knows how to read? <laughs> Come on. He's only good at throwing cards. Okay. I don't even know numbers. <laughs> this one's red. <laughs> uh, of all the weapons you could have chosen, why did you choose cards? There's an issue of all new Wolverine where he throws cans and he's like, I should start throwing cans because I feel like that's way more effective than cards. Yeah, seemingly so. I don't know. Should I talk about X-Force real fast? Or, uh, or should yeah. I? Okay. Yeah. Because I also read X-Force issue number seven, which is good. Oh, cool. I don't really... Domino was in it? Domino was in it. Okay. She was fairly like... It's a Domino-centric issue because... You know, her powers haven't been doing what they need to be doing. So she's kind of hunting down who took her powers or whatever. They they kind of focus on an assassin that keeps completing missions. So she's trying to find that assassin because they're way too lucky. Okay. So they stole her luck and she's after it. And Beast is still just being like kind of real shady. We love shady beasts. 
I do anyway. They're the best. Uh, okay, so X Men number six. X Men six. This is a Mystique centric issue. It is, uh, and it ties in with the events that took place in House of X number four. I I I don't know. I would I believe, say that's probably because that's the one where Nightcrawler died too. Yeah. So yeah. Yes. House of X number four. Um, and you know, the things that Mystique did there and how they affect her in this life. This issue, like the combination of the art and the writing made me kind of weepy. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really, it's really heavy. It really sold just like how Mystique is feeling because her, she just wants her, she just wants her wife back. She just wants Irene back. And I think... I think that dynamic is really interesting and in how she, it almost poses the question, like, is, are what the mutants doing for the greater good? Or is love more important than, like, seeing these people succeed? Your, like, your people succeed? Yeah, because they're using it as a bribe almost yeah well and they're using it as a bribe and then like also on the other end this flashes back to past conversations with destiny and mystique where they're talking about the future and destiny's like i know this is going to sound crazy but i need to tell you this and she basically tells her about krakoa and everything that's been going on and that's basically what fuels a lot of this particular issue right so it's just Ugh. And I just don't know, like, could she not tell Mystique if the mutants were doing something wrong? Like, because does Destiny just want to come back to life to kill Moira? I have so many questions! I don't know! <laughs> we'll see. I'm sure we'll figure it out in a, another issue. I don't think we will. I just think that things are not going to go well. No, they never do. And I, the thing I really do like about this main X-Men title is I like how every single issue kind of shows all of their enemies in little tiny ways. Yeah, and how, you know, the effect of every decision that Magneto and Xavier make, like, mm-hmm. affect everyone else and i think at the same time like it also shows how i mean the first couple issues not so much but some of like the political issue like this issue kind of shows how they're almost too powerful Mm -hmm. they think they're too powerful or they think they have they think they know more than they know right just like all men i think that's the main point here (laughs) Don't trust men in power. <laughs> it sucks because I like I really wanna I, I know we're I'm going too far into this because now I'm just thinking out loud. But I just I wanna trust them so badly and I feel like they have the best interests at heart, but like this issue really brings it home where I'm like, do they? Do they really are they really looking out for everyone or are they looking out for themselves while you know, that facade. Right. I think they are looking out for everyone in their own way, but they're doing it in a way that they shouldn't. Like some of the things that, you know, Xavier is doing, I I think that he 
is doing it because it's what he feels is best. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't consult anyone else about it. It's just what he thinks. So I don't think he means harm to anyone. But unfortunately, that is a side effect of not listening. Yeah. All right. So I'm sorry. I got distracted. That. Yes. I, I've had a lot of feelings on this book since I read it, and I just needed to get those out of me. I'm, I'm really sorry. It's a, it's a heavy thinking book. Yeah, it is a really heavy Because it, uh, it made me think a lot, too, afterwards. Because I just think there's so many questions that are posed in House and Powers where I'm just like, yeah, fuck yeah, you do your thing. And then as we get here and things start, you know, seeping into the real world, even through the other books. My... What I really loved about this, though, is I remember in House of X number four, when Mystique went with them, I was questioning why Mystique was with them. And I love that they tied that up and they went in depth with it and explained like, well, she's being like manipulated. Yeah. And it makes sense. It all makes sense now. Now I just need a whole Kurt Wagner issue. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get there. It's all I want. All right, well, we're done finally, I think. We have no more comic books. We're done. Thanks for listening to us. We will see you next week. Next week. Next week. Go buy comics. Goodbye. Goodbye.